Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends pretend to be bartenders and talk about gruesome murders. Each week, we feature a new cocktail, which has to tie into our stories. Although we are a casual comedy podcast, some of our subject material can be explicit. Listeners, be advised. Hey guys, this is Drea. And this is Jackie. Ah, uh, <laughs> didn't work. We didn't get very far. <laughs> hey guys, this is actually Drea. And this is Jackie. We tried to trick you. And just tricked ourselves. Yeah, sorry. Um, but we're back with another week of Killer Cocktails. I hope you guys are so excited, because we are. We've missed you. Yeah, terribly. I don't know what I'd do for a week without you guys. Probably just stare at a wall. Do you think we're like teachers? Like people in people's minds, we're like teachers and that like when they leave the classroom, teachers just go in a, in a box for a week or well, for a day. Because I also had another job when I was a teacher. Yeah. I would run into families at my other job and the kids would get real weird about it. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? There was this one. And normally they would be weird, but then really excited. But then every once in a while, it was like too much. Mm-hmm. It was a real shift of their universe. Yeah. And I had one kid who was hiding behind his mom. And he's like, no, 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 Miss Jackie. And then she like leaned down, like he whispered whatever it was. And then she laughed. And then she's like, he's super concerned that you're here and you're not in your classroom taking care of the gecko. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well. well I, don't, I don't sleep there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my home. <laughs> and that gecko's fine. That's so cute. Yeah. Um. But you guys, we're not here for that. No. You don't want to know about us. That's boring. No. You're here for cocktails. You're here for true crime. You're here for some murder. Yeah. What What are we drinking this week? We're drinking the grasshopper. Ew. There's no, no grasshoppers were harmed in the making of this cocktail. <laughs> are you sure? Positive. Look at this color. It's green. No, no, no. Let me tell you about this cocktail. Break it down, Jackie. It's an easy one that we did not mess up. Mm-hmm. I think we made it how it was intended to be made. Ah, you messed it up with your version. The one that we made, though, mm-hmm. was good. Yeah, the traditional one. It's a one one one. Tell me what the one 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 is. I'll give you the one one one. Give me the one one one. So you need one part creme de menthe. Mm-hmm. That's where the green color comes from. Gotcha. You need one part creme de coco. Creme. So many cremes. Creme de coco. Creme de coco. That's the like chocolatey flavor mm. you're gonna get. And we used a clear creme de me- or creme de coco. Uh huh. Because so part of this was we bought intentionally to get the colors for the drink. You can get creme de menthe in green or in clear. We went green to get the green color. And then creme de coco can come in like a colored, darker, like chocolatey kind of color or clear. We went clear to not muddy the green. Mm-hmm. And then one part creme. Creme. Like a heavy cream. Yeah. You shake it all up. Mm-hmm. And you pour. So it's supposed to be like an after dinner. It's like a dessert cocktail. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty sweet. You would only want one. Like you wouldn't just be like. It's like mint chocolate chip ice cream. It's like mint, like melted mint chocolate chip it's ice cream. It's so exactly good. what it tasted like. It's like a kind of melty milkshake. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yes. I liked it. You you get a little rumble in your tummy mm-hmm. when you have the, that lactose. That dairy comes for me. So you did an almond milk version. Yeah. Which it just, it made it really thin. You didn't get the same consistency. Yeah. And it looked... I don't just everything about it. it was just a totally different cocktail mm-hmm. and it was all right it was very mint forward yeah yeah you didn't have the cream kind of like hiding i didn't like the it. flavors yeah it wasn't great i wanted to drink yours but i was nice to everybody else and i didn't drink it because that's a good it's a crime against humanity yes got it <laughs> <laughs> i'll clear a room uh the history of this drink yeah 
So basically there is this guy and I think his name is Guiche. It's got a G in it and mm. it ends with like a C-H-E-T and I think it's Frenchish. Guiche. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> his family owned a bar in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But he went to a cocktail, like uh, like a cocktail off, essentially, uh-huh. like a bartender's brawl of sorts yes. up in New York. And they, they had to invent a drink, I think, for this. So he's like, hmm. And he's like probably stroking his like goatee and or whiskered mustache. Yeah. And he was like, what could I do? And then he came up with the 111. He came up with this little desserty drink. And he won. Do you remember? He got second place. He got second place. Mm-hmm. And then he took this drink back down to New Orleans mm-hmm. to become, this is like 1918-ish. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but the drink gained popularity when it kind of like hit the South in like the 50s and 60s. It kind of took off as like a... Yeah. There's little waves of like when cocktails were mm-hmm. a thing. And I would say like if you are adverse to alcohol for- forward drinks, this is definitely it's one. It's one of those sneaky ones. Yeah. And you can definitely like if someone's new to alcohol, have them try this one first. It's sweet. You'll like it. If, if they like mint chocolate chip ice cream, they're going to like this. Yes. Yeah. So children will like it. I have a friend who can't stand the mixture of chocolate and mint. Really? Can't stand the best Girl Scout cookie. Oh. Yeah. Are they okay in the head? You know this friend. Oh. Oh, no. I'll leave them unnamed, but you know who you are. (laughs) Shame, shame, I know your name. Such a good pairing, mint and chip, mint and chocolate chip. Mitten and chips. (laughs) Mint and chocolate. Um, Well, sweet. Does that kind of wrap up cocktail hour? I think it does. Hmm, Jackie. Time for murder. Murder. Dre, are you ready for story? Yes, story time. Story, story time. Story time. Ooh, I like that one. Thanks. That was a good jingle. Thanks. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm always ready. Here we go. What are, wait, wait, what are we doing? I'm going to tell you a story. <gasps> okay. Fair are right. you ready for my story? Yes. Yeah. Always ready. <laughs> so, on October 27th, mm. 1927. All right, a little bit older. Mm-hmm. A housekeeper named Nettie Compass. That's a rad name. Yeah. I feel like we've discovered a lot of really good names in this yeah. podcast. I don't think I won't ever have babies, but when I have fur babies, I might name one Nettie Compass. Nettie Compass is a... Well, it depends on your story. I don't know how your story is going. This is fine. Okay. Nettie, N- Compass. Nettie Compass is an okay uh, name for a, a pet of yours. Perfect. What I will say is I think we tend to like names that we can say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we tend to go, ooh, I like it. Yeah. We stumbled on it. Yeah, because yeah. then we actually hear what it sounds like uh-huh. versus... Maybe if we had a uh, good dialect or something, we'd be like, oh, that's a great name. Oh, yeah. We're Jacuzzi. Un- we're unfamiliar with those. Yes. Okay, so Nettie Compass, she is a housekeeper, and she heads up to... There's, like, a, an apartment on the second story of this building. She gets up there. She barely gets inside, and she sees blood everywhere. And she starts screaming. She's like, oh... In an apartment that she's cleaning? Yeah. Okay. So Nettie Compass uh, lives in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. <gasps> New Orleans. New Orleans. Ding, 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 ding. That's my tie. Tie to the cocktail, like we talked about in the intro. So Nettie Compass uh, lives and works in New Orleans. She gets to the house that she takes care of. She barely gets in. This is a second floor uh, apartment. Uh-huh. She gets in there, and there's it's just blood. And oh. she's like, uh, yeah, screw this noise. I'm she out. starts screaming. These two dudes who are close by. They're insurance guys. They run in. They're like, why is this lady screaming? And they come in. They're like, hey, miss, what's going on? Then they're like, oh, no, this is terrible. So then one of them 
tips off a reporter. He's like, hey, you got to get over here. This place uh, is covered in blood. They used to do that all the time. Then that reporter's like, hey, I know this other reporter, buddy. So then he calls this other reporter and they come. Oh, no. Then finally someone's no. like, hey, we should call the police. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Are they going to come through the crime scene? Are they all going to walk around? Yeah, it doesn't really affect things. But yes, that is silly. And that is something that happens. All right. Okay. So finally the police come. Uh, when they get there, they discover a blood-soaked mattress, a bunch of severed fingers on the floor. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. What? The, fo- the fingers are how not ma- on a hand. How many? Of- a couple. Okay, so not like from multiple hands, just from one? Yeah, probably one hand. Huh. And we'll figure out why that happened. Uh, and then the bathroom's covered in blood. And then there's these two small trunks. Oh, no. And then there's like a bunch of clothing, kind of like strewn about don't open the trunks um well they're the police so they're gonna have to open them oh no um inside them are the bodies of two young women and uh on one of them there's a cane knife which i don't really know what that is i probably should have googled it, it oh is it like a like one of those canes that like when you i don't unsheath i don't it? think so i think it's cane because you used it on a sugar plantation oh and like sugar cane i all right fine. i imagine it's more like a sickle like a like with uh the devil, not the devil. What's the guy who comes? The Grim, Grim Reaper. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's just like a big machete. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yuck. In case you guys don't know, there's this cool um, internet thing called Google mm. that you can Google I've images. I've heard people talk about it. <laughs> so if you want to see what a, sh- a cane knife looks like. So uh, laying on one of the bodies in the trunk is this cane knife. Just like like they cut them up and then put the knife yeah. on the body. Yeah. Um, okay, so these ladies are uh, going to be identified as Teresa and Leon. I don't It looks like Leonidi. Ooh, okay. That's what I'm going to say her name is. Teresa and Leonidi Moiti. Okay. They are sisters-in-law, so they're both married to a set of brothers. Okay. They're married to Joseph and Henry Moiti. Oh, no. Okay. All right. So, uh, in one of the things I read, they were described as flappers. Ooh. Yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. With like the... They're living in Orleans and they're going out and... Yeah. The long cigarette things. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, gloves and... Okay, so the coroner determines that they had been hit with a lead billy club. So they've been like... Their heads beat. Oh, my God. Then they were decapitated with... What? This cane knife. Oh. And then that same knife was used to amputate their arms and legs. But to make them fit in the trunk? Uh-huh. Do they... Was the... Was the pipe left at the crime scene too, or was that taken? No, I think they just they that's just know. Probably an assumption. Okay. Um, or later gets <clears throat> filled in by who they figure it out. Okay. <clears throat> so do they know if it was like post mortem when? Um... They think that they were bludgeoned to death. Gotcha. And then post mortem cut up. Gotcha. I, I believe is the <sighs> prevailing theory. Okay. They find a gold wedding ring inside one of the gashes Ew. of one of the gals. No, 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 no. So now they're thinking, okay, they cut off her fingers. And then the ring the went. Ring, and then they stuffed the ring in her. Why? Or do you think it just happened to, f- like, when they were. No, you. Th- it seems was- intentional. Oh. Okay. I don't like this. First things first. The police are like, where are these husbands? Yeah. So Joseph, who's Leonidas' husband. Uh, Joseph turns himself in by that night. He's like, hey, you guys are looking for me. Here I am. What's going on? What happened to my wife? Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, but they can't find Henry. And Henry is Teresa's husband. So Joseph starts telling the police that he had recently moved out and left Leonida, Leonidi with 
the brother and his wife and their kid. They have three kids. Um, and he was living with his sister because he caught Leonidas cheating on him. Mm. And uh, he was like, I'm out of here. No, I don't like it. So neighbors also confirmed that they had like they just kind of it was a loud fighty house like they'd fight over money they'd fight over drinking they'd fight over cheating like it was just kind of a little raucous over there. So uh, Henry finally gets tracked down and he was like they found out he was at a boarding house and then they learned that he had planned to escape on a ship. So then they put out an all points bullet and they're like hey everybody. This is in, so it's kind of like tabloidy too. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it makes the news of like these ghastly murders and they're looking for this guy and they describe him as like super hairy and that he has these uh, distinguished tattoos, like naked ladies on his arms or something. Okay. So, um, and then, so when they're going through the house, like tucked behind a dresser, they find a mildly autobiographical novel. Or short story, a writing of some sort that Leonidas has written uh-huh. that's like kind of based loosely on her life. Um, that like in one point of it, the father qu- is quoted as saying like, uh, don't get married. That's the end of your life. Mm. And like there's so there's like this kind of weird and like so that story kind of bubbles up as like <clears throat> giving a little bit of insight potentially into what their lives were like but also and they know for sure she wrote it they know she wrote it because okay. she had turned it into some like publishing places to get published and it hadn't been published gotcha um I, they also said it, like wasn't very well written in terms of like punctuation and grammar and like mm-hmm. it needed to be edited okay so they've got this apbl they're trying to find uh henry so a couple days later some crew members on a freighter report henry to the sheriff he had snuck on board the ship um he had a phony name but they recognized the tattoo from the newspaper articles they've been reading. <gasps> Whoa. Right? That's awesome. Okay. <clears throat> so Henry originally starts telling the story. He's like, dude, there was this redheaded seafarer and he like made me help him kill what? the two girls. Uh, my wife and yeah. my in- yeah, mm-hmm. sister-in-law. Then like after a week, he finally is like, oh, okay, fine. Let me confess. I was pretty wrecked from like drinking booze. I was really mad um, because my wife had had, she's having an affair with the landlord and I didn't like it. And I, she was planning to leave me. So he's like, so he gets, he like leaves, he comes back and she's like in his face, she's a $10 bill. And she's like, I can make more in an hour as a prostitute than you'll make in a week. And she's like egging him on. And then he's like, and that made me really mad. So I decided I was going to kill her. I was, I was just going to chop her body up. Yeah. Cause that seems rational. So then he leaves and that's when he goes and buys the cane knife. No. So then she's like, screw that guy. So either when he came in the first time, they were packing their bag. I think uh-huh. they, they were packing their bags. And she's like, being all, I'm I'm leaving. Leonidas and I are leaving. You can take the kids. Yeah. he also was like, she's a shit mom. Whoa. So she's like, we're out of here. They get in this fight. He leaves. He goes to buy a murder weapon. She like kind of calms down and goes to bed. Oh, no. Planning to leave in the morning, I think. Yeah. So then he comes back and he goes in and he's got this Where knife. Where are the kids? Uh, they're asleep. They're there. At night, they're asleep <gasps> at the apartment where they were found. Oh yeah. Oh no. Well, hold, so. Oh no no. Then he uh, so he comes back and he's like over. She's asleep and he's over her and he just starts like going. Cut, uh, this is according to him. Just starts yeah. like cutting her. Then and he's like and she didn't really fight. She just kind of like took the cuts and died. What? Then he goes and he's like, and then I kind of felt like Leonidas was a bad influence. Like she was having an affair and that probably led to my wife having her affair. So she had to die too. 
So then he goes and he kills her. So that's why both of them died. Yeah. Then and he's like... Not okay. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, then I had to like chop up their bodies and put them in these trunks. He's kind of weird about his confession. He did it by himself? By himself. Yeah. The other brother's not involved. Like he literally... And like he was, he was moved out and living with his sister. Yeah. So it comes out at the trial that... uh the day so they're like trying to prove that it was premeditated like that he had like had time to think about it so Nettie is saying that she's like uh he walked by me the day before and was like i should take a pistol and shoot those bastards and she's like "Mm okay and then later she sees henry and his wife and the other wife and the kids and they're all kind of in a good mood and they're going out they're leaving and he pulls Nettie aside and he whispers and he's like, uh, don't be scared if like you hear the children crying in the morning. It was so premeditated. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So he then, did it while the children were there. Yeah. That's insane. And nothing ever really else is spoken about the kids. Like, you know that Nettie finds their bodies the next day. So yeah. he like killed them. And then I don't know if he just like took the kids somewhere else in the morning and then like was yeah. about like, the, the kids don't really ever get mentioned again. I can't believe they didn't wake up. They had to have woken up. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's also it's an apartment building. Like, nobody else in the apartment building woke up. <sighs> okay. I don't know. All right. Or if everyone's used to them fighting. Like, if you're just used to, they're always yeah. being always. Yeah. You just think it's a fight. Oh, I hate it. So, in the initial reports, the coroner had, like, made mention of the skill that was taken with dismembering the bodies. He was like, this person didn't cut through bone. They knew to cut through joints. What does he do for a profession? Oh, before he moved to the town that they're in, uh-huh. he was a butcher's assistant. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In the town that they're, like, currently, he's just kind of an odd job guy. Mm-hmm. He'll just do a little handiwork. So he knows where to cut a body. Yeah, he knows how to do Yeah. So then... Uh, they try the two, so he, so they put uh, Henry on trial, but he goes through two trials, one for each woman. woman. Yeah. And in both of them, he's found guilty. And so he gets life in prison for two concurrent uh, prison sentences. Wow. So he finally hits prison July 6th, 1928. Okay. And seemingly it's pretty lax because uh, by 1934, he's made a trustee of the prison. Oh, what? A trustee. Sure. And uh, what? <laughs> it means that he gets special assignments and he's not guarded as well. Oh, great. Oh, no. Is he going to escape? Remember when you told me about that gal who, like, got to wear dresses? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And she she got to go. Oh, no, she didn't go, to, go on leave. They escaped. <laughs> so he, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, he, so he has a bunch of freedom. So it's 1944. He's on a routine trip to the post office. What? No, uh, you killed two women. You don't get to just go to the post office. No. But this is a routine, a routine trip to the post office. I don't office. care how well you're doing in prison in an isolated area where you're guarded constantly and have to be on your best behavior. You killed two women. Brutally. Okay, sorry. So while he's out on his way to the post office, he just hires a cab, gets in a taxi, and heads to another town in Louisiana. With what money? Jail money? Probably jail money, All right, yeah. fine. Or he's like, hey, take me to wherever. And then he gets out. He's like, sucker. I don't know. (laughs) Fooled you again. Uh, He hops on a train and heads to Chicago. Of course he does. 
So the head of the prison is like, you know what? We don't need to worry about this, boys. What? He'd already served about 16 years, and he's probably going to get a pardon anyway because of the whole, like, he was drunk when he killed them. What? Alcohol is kind of an excuse now. No. So because he's probably going to get a pardon, I just, I trust him to come back. That is insane. And also setting an example for the other inmates that they can just walk out and no one's going to chase him down. Do you think that he goes back? No, absolutely not. Weird. He does not go back. Oh. Who so, could have seen that coming? Two years go by. Of course. And in 1946, he stopped for suspicious behavior. And they figure out who he is. And they're like, oh, you're supposed to be in prison. So they send him back to prison. Uh, despite his little two years of vacation that he took, yeah. uh, he's recommended for release. And in 1947, he's pardoned by the governor. I hate it. So... Uh, do you think once he's been pardoned, he lives his life on the straight and narrow and he's like a real sweetheart? Sure. No, absolutely not. He moves to California. Oh, no. And in 1956, in an L.I. hotel. Where? L.I. L.I. He shoots his girlfriend, Alberta Orange, in the chest. What? Punctures her lung. No. She lives. Oh. Um, he gets five years. And he gets out in two? At Folsom State Prison for attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon. Um, and I know all that's infuriating. Uh, in 1957, he dies of a stroke in prison. That's insane. You've already murdered and dismembered two women. Dismembered in front of your children. And put them in trunks. Yes. Escaped from prison. Mm -hmm. Now you've shot another woman in the chest. Why would five years? Really? Yeah. Crazy? That's crazy. But it's that whole, like, you get... A lesser punishment because they didn't die. You didn't. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. You attempted. You literally tried to kill them, but you failed. So yeah. you get lesser time. That It's insane. That's insane. Yeah. So there's your frustrating story. Jackie! Mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate it too. Do you want to tell me your story? No. <laughs> I'm so mad right now. Hey guys, it's intermission time. We already have music. Charge! Um, right off top, we always like to thank our uh, donors. So thank you so much, Ash. You um, donated to our cause, and we thank you so much. So awesome! And thank you so much for always being on our social media. It's yeah. always fun interacting with you. Um, oh, and some more exciting news the live shows um i kind of have to apologize because last week i missed said a date and a day calendars are hard they're so hard it goes like monday tuesday monday tuesday wednesday sunday oh no um so if you are available we will be doing a live show at Gompers Distillery out in Redmond on uh, March uh, 27th, which is a Friday. Mm-hmm. If you get there at 6.30, you can have some cocktails with us. We hey, can hey. Schmooze. Ho, ho. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. We can raise the roof a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then 7.15, our show will start. Um, this is um, kind of like what we do on the podcast. It will be about murder. And so don't bring kiddos with you. Um, we also have another live show coming up on Sunday, April 26th, and that one starts at 3 p.m. Um, actually 3 p.m. is cocktail hour with us and then at 3.30, so I guess it's more like a cocktail half hour, Mm -hmm. and then 3.30 p.m. is the live show, and that will be at Cascade Street Distilling. 
in beautiful Sisters, Oregon. Yes, it, it's gorgeous. Home out of there. the Quilt Show. Oh, that's a it's a raging party when the Quilt Show comes. It's a big town. deal. Um, what else is going on tomorrow, Jackie? Well, our good friends at New Basin out mm-hmm. in Madras yes. are doing this really cool like a distilling event. Mm-hmm. So it's a hundred bucks. Uh, it's a small, so like hopefully you're not too last minute uh, i if there's I, if you're into it i hope there's a spot for you mm-hmm. um but essentially you get to learn all about distilling and like when you like i think it was you and uh kimry went out right and you mm-hmm. like walked through the like you did the, kind of like a normal tour but like a small tour with you guys yes what i love about the guys at new basin is they sp- i think they describe and explain everything really well mm-hmm. and their setup is really cool like i, I that seems like a really fun and cool event to go to because yeah. not only do you get to like learn all the things you want to learn and ask questions and have it, you know, have them explained to you in a mm-hmm. way that's, you know, super tangible, um, but you also get to make your own stuff. Yeah. And, and Rick was fun. a teacher, was a teacher for over 25 years. That's right. 20 to 25 years. And so he just has this really calming presence and he knows how to explain things very well. And they're just very laid back. So you'll have an informative experience that also you get some fun take homes because is bows that you made <laughs> is bows um also real quick jackie who do you think our top three cities are for listenership Ooh, top three here top, we go top three portland yeah los angeles where la la <laughs> and this other one i feel like flips between different spots yeah i'm gonna ultimately say the greater san francisco bay area but it could easily be somewhere in new york wisconsin or missouri what's your final answer Ah, gotta go with the bay (gasps) ding 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 ding! you got them all right and all in like correct order boom thank you portland thank you ally thank you san francisco thank you ben and thank you new york top five yeah y'all i see you also baja california i see you (laughs) You you have 85 listens. I don't know who you are, but thank you. Hey, Baja. Hey, Baja. Um, Jackie, do you think we have any listeners in Germany? No. We do. Germany? Look, look at that. Try to say that name. <sighs> Rhineland Pfaz. Yes. Thank you, guys. You all are listening, and I see you. I was like, I'm not going to try to say it. <laughs> um, Canada, we see you, and we appreciate Canada you. Canada from the beginning. From the beginning. Canada... East Riding of Yorkshire. Wait a minute. Uh, Canada, British Columbia, Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan. Oh, these provinces. This is awesome. Um, Let's see. UK, I'm looking at you. We got Belfast. Mm. We got Norfolk and Antrim and Newtonaby Abbey. Oh, fun. (laughs) Fun for them to hear you say that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. But when we come to you guys, eventually... For a live show, yeah, you can teach me how to say it correctly. There you go. And really, at the end of the day, guys, if you can tell more and more people about our show who would really enjoy it and you guys could talk about it. But like when we see those numbers go up in those cities, like that shows us that we could go to that city to do a live show. For sure. And you could come out. You can meet us. We can cheers. We could talk true crime. We could talk about other things if you like, too. Spread the word. Spread the word. Bird is the word. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening and er- interacting with us and donating. We appreciate it. All the things. All right. Now, enough of this banter. Back to murder. Murder. Jackie? 
Treya. Are you ready for a story? I'm ready for a story. Okay, you told me your story. Now I'm going to tell you my story. Mm-hmm. And then maybe later you could tell me a story. And then I can tell you a story. Well, and then after that, I mean, I could tell you a story. Yeah. And then I can tell you a story. Yeah. Perfect. But I'm going to tell you a story right now. Oh. Well, okay. Let's jump right in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to jump right in. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Vincent Brothers. Should I know the name? Mm, yes and no. It's a pretty... I don't. Okay, perfect. Okay, so Vincent Brothers is born on May 31st of 1962, and he's uh, born to a poor family in New York, um, but he kind of makes his way in education, and he gets his master's degree um, in education, actually, um, from US uh, CSU Bakersfield. Oh. Yeah. And, and while he's there, um, his girlfriend becomes pregnant, and she has a baby girl named Margaret. Um, Vincent becomes a substitute teacher in 1987 and in 1988, Vincent is, uh, convicted of a misdemeanor, uh, spouse, spousal abuse. So. Okay. I wonder what misdemeanor spousal. Okay. Um, he receives a six day jail sentence and probation. Um, he marries for a second time in 1992 and the following year, his wife sues for divorce, claiming that he threatened to kill her and was very violent. Okay. Um, in 1995, he becomes the vice president of Fremont Elementary School. What? Mm-hmm. So not the... In Fremont, California? Uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Um, so not the, the best guy you'd want as no. a vice principal. Do you want an interesting fact about Fremont, California? Mm, yes. They have a very large deaf population. Interesting. Yeah. They have uh, like a stay there deaf school. Uh-huh. I went to deaf church there once. That's where I went to deaf church. Oh, yeah. You said that was like a really fun experience. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. That's I, awesome. Yeah, I really like that culture. Do they have um, like deaf restaurants? Like, do they have like a community kind of or? I don't know if it's that. I don't know. Okay. Is the answer to that. But I just know uh, statistically more deaf people there because it's a very accommodating and open city that does yeah. have, you know, that's resources aw- and that's stuff. That's awesome. So people move there for that. So yeah. it helps grow that community. Oh, I love that. Mm. That's awesome. Um, okay, so back to the story. Um, in 1996, Vincent sexually harasses a woman he works with at his school. Um, it's the 90s, though. It's fine. It's never fine. <laughs> uh, she claims that during a visit to his home, he hit her and made sexual advances. Um, but when she calls the police, they tell her she shouldn't file a formal complaint because Vincent is a respected community leader. Gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, during an investigation by the school, Vincent denied the allegations and the school never formally disciplined him because they're like, you know, this can really hurt your career. So maybe you should stop instead of formally Yikes. doing anything. Um, Vincent eventually meets Joni Harper and they have their first child named um, Marcus in 1998. And like any couple, they have their ups and downs. Um, like when he missed Marcus's birthday or like not birthday when His the birth. birth. Yeah. Um, the couple then marries in 2000, um, but they separate only after like a month of marriage. Okay. Um, but several months after that, Joni gives birth to their second child and Vincent again misses the birth. What's he doing? Just grading papers? Yeah, he's, he's seen ladies. He's not really loyal. Mm. Um, the marriage is officially annulled in 2001 and Vincent says, um, it's because of their differing, uh, viewpoints. But Joni says that Vincent had kept the fact that he had been married twice before a secret. So okay. she's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me like this crucial part of your life. Seems like something Ross from Friends would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what show is that? 
<laughs> you got me. But despite annulling, annulling their marriage, Joni still loved Vincent and they continued to have an on and off relationship. Uh, in G- January of 2003, Joni and Vincent remarry. But what? by Yeah. But by April, uh, Vincent had moved out because he had a fight with their mother or her mother-in-law or his mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all living with their uh, her her mother at the time because they were having a house built and so okay. they're all living together in this like tiny house mm-hmm. and vincent and the mother-in-law just yeah. have a fight and he moves out to an- another apartment in the meantime and then a month later in may their third child marshall is born did he uh, make it to that one he did make it to that hey. one um i knew you were gonna ask <laughs> um on july 2nd of 2003 vincent leaves Baker- bakersfield uh california and goes to visit family in ohio so he's leaving Bakersfield. He's gone. Um, and on July 6th, so a couple days later, uh, Joni, her mother, and the three children, um, at this point, Marshall is now six weeks old. Uh, Lindsay is now two years old. And Marcus is four years old. So, um, um, and they're all going to attend church services and they're introducing everyone to their new baby. And it's the first time um, little uh, Marshall has been out and about. Uh, so after church, Joni and the kids meet up with some friends, including Joni's best friend, Kelsey Spann, and they go out to lunch and they're having a great time. And then they all go home to rest um, because later that night they're going to go to um, some evening church services, um, but they never make it to the later services. Hmm. Uh, so family and friends start calling the house that night and over the next couple days, but no one picks up. And so Kelsey, uh, Joni's best friend, heads over to the house to see what's going on. She knocks a couple times, uh, but no one answers. So she tries to use her spare key and the door won't open. Um, So she goes around to the back patio door and she goes inside and she immediately calls the police because she just sees mayhem everywhere. Um, Minutes later, police arrive and they enter the house and they find Joni's mother, um, Ernestine, in the hallway near her bedroom. And she had been shot twice in the face at close range and they find a pistol nearby her body. Um, in another bedroom, police find the bodies of, of Joni and her children lying in bed with her. Wow. Joni's face down on the bed and she has three gunshot wounds to the back of her head, two to her arm, and she has been stabbed seven times. Yikes. Um, which is so aggressive. Um, Lindsay, the two-year-old, is lying on her left side at the foot of the bed in a little blue dress and she has a single gunshot wound to the back. It's so crazy to me when people kill their kids. Yeah. Well, we don't know who did it. Okay. Um, True. Yes. Marcus, who's four, is beside his mother on the bed and is covered up by a sheet. And his eyes are open and he has a gunshot wound to the right side of his head. And police think that during the attack, he woke up from his nap and realized what was going on. saw the chaos and was trying to self-care and put his fingers in his mouth to start sucking on them. But he was so frightened that he bit down all the way to the bone. Um, And so during their initial search, um, they can't find Marshall, the six-week-old. But eventually they did find him under a pillow near his mother. And he had been shot in the back. Yikes. Um, So police are like, main suspect, number one, where's the father? Yeah. Um, so they tracked down Vincent in Columbus, Ohio. And so he's about 2,200 miles away at this point. And they tell him everything that has happened with his family. So he comes back into town. I will point out yeah. that OJ was also 2,000 miles away when they finally talked to him. Mm-hmm. Just a, f- a weird little fact. Thanks. 
you should tell me more about OJ at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're like, Vincent, we're so sorry. This is what happened to your family. By the way, where have you been? Um, But Vincent is refusing to help with the investigation. Weird. Um, So they start digging into him and they confirm that he flew from Bakersfield, California, uh, California to Columbus, Ohio on July 2nd, 2003. So that's four days before the murder. Okay. He rented a Dodge Neon when he got yeah. to Columbus, yeah. Ohio. I was waiting for it. I was like, "Where? When's the rental car? <laughs> How many uh, miles are on that baby?" It was a white Bronco. No, <laughs> uh, so it was a Dodge Neon, and he claims he only drove around the Columbus area. But somehow, but how? But when they look, at- <laughs> this is really fun. I'm having fun looking into my crystal ball. <laughs> but when they look at the miles, they're like, "Oh, you put five thousand four hundred twenty-four miles on the Shoot, car." Damn. Gina? Were you driving for Lyft before Maybe. that was even a thing? Oh, man. He's like, I just, you know, I like to drive and clear my head. <laughs> um, and so they dig a little bit further and they they see that there's a paper, paper trail around Columbus, Ohio, though, with his credit card. Like, he's buying stuff. So police um, keep digging and they realize that the rental car had only been rented four times prior to um, Vincent. So yeah. they're like, okay, we could really narrow this down. Yeah. And they realize that none of those other renters had ever left the Columbus area. So they're like, cool. Okay. Good to know. Um, and they also are... We're going to get some toll roads and some cameras. Like um, They also start co- uh, collecting DNA from the house. Um, but they're like, well, Vincent he lived here. Vincent lived here. So, okay. But they can't find any other, like... Nobody uh, else. Nobody no else. Subs. Exactly. So they're really honing in on Vincent at this point. Um, and then they get a tip from a neighbor. And they're like, well, we actually saw Vincent near their home around the time of the murders. And the neighbors know exactly what he looks like. It, Exactly. Yeah. Okay. They see him all the time. Um, so the police keep digging. They're doing a lot of digging. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, okay, we don't really have a lot to go on. So let's go back to this rental car. We know that he put a the rental. Of- it's good evidence. Yes. We know he has enough miles to get there and back. It's circumstantial, but it's the kind of thing that sings to a jury. Yes. Uh, it puts doubt into their mind. Yes. Um, so they're like, okay, let's start taking this car apart. And, like, let's see what we can do with it. So they focus on the radiator and then the air filter. And they're like, there's a lot of bugs in here. I wonder if we could track something down. No way. And I really, really like this story all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I liked it before. It was a normal story. It was a good normal story. We're getting into some bug, some bug magic. So they send it to Dr. Lynn Kimsey, and she's um, from the University of California, and she's working at the Bohart Museum of Entomology. Mm -hmm. I said it. I, (laughs) entomologists are always so weird and awesome. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good, it's like geologists. You never meet a bad geologist. They're always so nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So she's like, cool. I have this radiator, radiator and I have this air filter. So she starts removing every single bit of insect she can find. And it's, Gross. And it's parts of it. Oh, not full. yeah. Um, she has over a hundred different like species. So she has insects. She has houseflies. She has honeybees. She finds a portion of a grasshopper. Oh, uh, you. Uh, yes. <laughs> it is such a bizarre mixture of mad, mm-hmm. impressed, and jealous. Yes. It's, a, it's crazy. I don't know if you remember this conversation, but Kimri is like, we're going to do the grasshopper, so find 
uh, stories for it. So I was like, perfect. And I looked and I found this story and I texted you immediately. And I was like, I call Vincent Brothers. And you're like, mm, sorry, man, I already have that. Oh, I tricked and you. I got you were so upset because I was like, it's such a great tie. And I was and just like, being a jerk. And you're like, just kidding. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you're the worst. And I texted Kimberly. I was like, this is why she's the worst because I had the best tie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a very good tie. Oh, yeah. It's 100% the best tie. You win. We we fell away from betting and like you'd have to acquiesce to like who had the better tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I will say you had the better tie this time. 100%. <laughs> There's a difference between best story mm-hmm. but best tie. <laughs> Yeah, yes. but you brought bugs in, so I might give you. Isn't that story it cool? Too. It's so cool. Um, okay, so she finds a portion of this grasshopper, um, and it has a bright red legs, and it's called the red shanked grass grasshopper, which is not native to Ohio. No, it's not. It's actually found in Texas and Oklahoma. So she's like, we're starting to build a map so we can see him moving this way. And remember, the four other people who rented that car never left Columbus, Ohio. Um, and they're like, okay, cool. We have him in Texas, Oklahoma. We don't quite have him in California yet. So they keep looking and she finds three more species and it moves the map more towards uh, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah. So we're getting closer. And then they realize that some of the bug bits in the car are from species that only start flying out at night. So they're okay. He was flying or he was driving at night through these areas. Dang. And then she finds two insects that belong to the true bugs category and they aren't very common. And she works with this uh, Smithsonian and they realize that they are more west of the Rockies and into California. And then she found um, a paper wasp, which is only found in the extreme southwest, which includes Bakersfield, California. Fascinating. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> I like it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. If you... Ah, I. I'll have to look up. I can't remember what episode I was watching, but I was watching a documentary on it. Yeah. And you got to like talk to her or not to talk to her, but you got to see her and she was just, she was just very passionate about what yeah. she was finding and like classifying and how she was hel- I, able to help investigators. I love it when people get caught by obscure science mm-hmm. or like weird IT. Mm-hmm. Like I saw a, a thing the other day online that these kids had broken into their school to like vandalize it. Yeah. And they didn't realize that all of their phones auto-synced to the Wi-Fi. And so they were pinged. And they saved. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> you have a crazy it's face. so <laughs> funny. There you go, you shithead. It's it, so great. Is that something that you would think of? I, would, I wouldn't have thought about I, that. No, your phone's just in your pocket. Yeah. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. Cause, well, because Wi-Fi, like a router will say every, like the time and, that everything connected to it. <gasps> That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she finds all these bugs. It's amazing. So they're like, okay, cool. This is great. So we're pretty sure he drove all the way there and back. Like the the insect evidence is crucial. I'm not on the edge of my seat, but I am figuratively <laughs> on the edge of my seat. So they're like, okay, but what about this paper trail that's in Columbus, Ohio? What's going on with that? And so um, they're like, okay, he went to Walmart. He went here. He went here. And so they're like, Meh, let's ask them for the video footage. And obviously it's not Vincent. It's his brother, Melvin. Yeah. And Melvin admits that he forged his brother's signature. Yeah, and what's Melvin's story? He he had been estranged from his brother for 10 years. His and brother's I, like, hey, do me a solid. And he's like, oh, no questions. Yeah, he's like, can you just take my card and start spending money around town? Okay, here's, okay. Here's why I'm annoyed by that. Yeah. At least make up a story. If you're going to involve your brother, mm-hmm. 
don't so implicitly make him a part of it where it's like, hey, he kind of probably knew I was up to no good. I told him to do this weird thing and he just agreed to it because he's my brother. Yeah. Why don't why don't you do your brother a solid and make up a story and lie to him? Yeah. And just be like, hey, I've got this with like my car. I get points if I go like yeah. make up some stupid lie mm-hmm. that doesn't involve your brother in it. Or better yet, don't kill your family. Well, there's that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Stop. That's Killing probably more annoying. Your family. Um, allegedly, he did it. Okay. So ultimately, they come to the cl- conclusion that Vincent had several like affairs going on and that his motive for killing uh, his family was for greed. Vincent essentially just didn't want the burden of supporting a family anymore. Yeah, he's like, I'm over it. Let's just reset. Yeah. So um, Vincent um, was not arrested until April 2004 because of the high media attention surrounding the case. Uh, his trial was postponed until February 2007. Whoa. Yeah. So on May 15th, 2007, the jury finds Vincent E. Brothers guilty of five counts of first-degree murder. And on September 27, 2007, he's sentenced to death by lethal injection. And he's In pl- California? Uh-huh. And he's placed on death row at San Quentin State Prison. And this case, by the way, was the first time uh, bugs were used in an alibi. Really? Uh-huh. Yes. Hmm. Um, so my sources are um, uh, turn223.com and... Okay, so real quick, I'm going to say my sources. So uh, a lot of this came from turn223.com. A convicted mass murderer receives death penalty. Vincent Brothers takes stand in his own defense. It's a really catchy title. It's yeah. Really, <laughs> Mine, I, had, I had one off of Atlas Obscura and then I also had one that like is an impossible website for me to jibber jabber all the things. Yeah. Yeah, dot, 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 HTTP, blah, 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 blah. It was gobbledygook. Um, and then I also watched um, a crime documentary on YouTube called Real Story Season 4, Episode 13, Family Massacre, um, 29 February 2016. Oh, I don't like those family ones. No. Um, but yeah, that was my case. And I'm so... Hide your kids, hide your wives. So, um, Jackie... Mm-hmm. It's time for some self-care. Oh, I was like, you're getting a joke. <laughs> this is fun. Um, okay. So, a grasshopper is nothing but a mosquito turned Hulk. Because it's like... It's not really a joke. It's kind of just like a little... Some Somebody said it. I, apolog- <laughs> I apologize for not laughing. It just didn't make me laugh. Oh. I know that that hurts you. Yeah. But I also couldn't, I had no energy for a fake laugh. Okay, this one is a picture. And then there's these two guys. This is essentially a bartender. And there's a grasshopper at the bar. It's already funny. And um, the the <laughs> bartender's like, I already like it. <laughs> hey, we have a drink named after you. And the grasshopper's like, you have a drink named Bob? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the photo. <laughs> Where oh, uh, this is funny. That one's. Funny. I liked that one. Yeah, <laughs> drinking Bob. <laughs> I like it because it has to do with the drink too. Everything about that joke was perfect. Yeah, I liked it. That's all I got for you. Okay, well I that, was that was enough. Really good. <laughs> um, you guys, as always, thanks for listening. Um, this has been Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff and the bodies are stiffer. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, killercocktailspodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. 
Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on Hashtag Murder Mondays. Russell, 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 Russell Crowe. Russell, Russell, Crow. Russell, 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 Russell Crowe. Oh, what? We got Russell Crowe. Oh, what? We got a what? We got a Russell Crowe. One of the things that didn't get cut because she wasn't here was, um, I think I was dog, dog mouthing? Bad mouthing. Dog mouthing? What are you talking about? Bad mouthing. I was bad mouthing. You're dogging on somebody, bad mouthing them. <laughs> You're dog mouthing them? Sounds so gross. <laughs> I was dog mouthing them. Gross. <laughs> Oh, it's recording! I was like, too bad we're not recording this! Shit. before Kimberly, did we ever record i don't know man oh the neighbors I just almost did it again stop touching things okay i'm gonna go like this just hold your boobs okay <laughs> it looks like someone else <laughs>